Amen. Thanks, Ali and Bex. I think I might adopt Big Jet as a nickname from now on. I'm excited for that one. Um, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Catalyst Live. Um, we, yeah, whether you're joining us this morning because this is your place that you call home, whether you're isolating and you're just having to spend this week at home, or whether you've just stumbled across us looking for cute puppy videos on YouTube, so glad you're here. Um, we have been going through the book uh, of Acts for the last few weeks, and we're doing a series called Christ, the Church, and His Cause. We're trying to figure out all about who was Jesus? What, um, what, what mission did he leave for his church? And for us as his followers today, what are the kind of things that we should be doing to see his kingdom come on earth? And so we're picking that up today. Last week, uh, our incredible online pastor, Emma, was telling you about a guy called Cornelius uh, and how he took the good news of Jesus to a place called um, uh, Caesarea. Uh, and th th it was just an incredible story of people coming to know Jesus for the first time. And this week, we're heading into the next chapter. We're going into Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 30, where we hear about another story that's kicking off totally unrelated, 450 miles away, the Holy Spirit working again. And so I'm really excited to share that with you this morning. But first, I want to tell you a little bit about my mum. My mum is the most incredible woman in the world. I would argue with anyone and I would make sure that she won every competition to say that, that she is the best mum in the world. It's official. Um, I'm willing to take your complaints, but it's true. Uh, but one of the things that my mum is not so hot on is technology. And I remember uh, when my mum got her first iPhone, um, we were, were sort of around a couple of weeks after she got it. And I was like, oh, mum, how are you getting on with your, your first iPhone? She was like, it's brilliant. It can do text messages and it can call. And I was like... It can, Mum. It can do a lot more than that. Do you know that? And she's like, oh, no, does it do more than that? All my mum had worked out for the first couple of weeks of iPhone use was that she could phone from it and that she could text from it. And it was a long process of teaching my mum how to use an iPhone. There was lots of um, FaceTimes where the camera wasn't on or it was upside down. There was lots of things. But now my mum is an iPhone guru. She orders things off Amazon. She does everything on it. Um, the point being this. At the start of the whole journey, she had something in her hands that had so much more potential than she realised. And I think when we dive into the word this morning, what we're finding out is the good news of Jesus has so much more potential than we realise. It's so powerful. And so the question I want to ask this morning and I want us to answer together is, how do we get the most out of the good news for us and from us as we share it? So that's what we're going to do. So we're diving into Acts chapter 19, uh, Acts chapter 11 and we're reading verse 19 to 30. Why don't we read that together? Now those who had been scattered by persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of, number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of peoples. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. 
The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. They did this sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. And so there's a few things that I want to explore this morning. In this passage, we see two real truths about the good news that I want to unpack first. And then I want to answer that question, how do we get the most out of it? So the first truth is this, the good news comes from anyone. The good news comes from anyone. That really jumped out at me in this passage. Often we hear in the Bible the stories of, you know, the famous disciple, somebody going and praying for somebody, or maybe it's the famous apostle heading off to a new place and doing it. But in this story, something a little bit different happens. We hear about this group of guys who were scattered after they'd seen Stephen martyred for his faith. They were scared. They were worried. They were heading off to a different place. And so they travel what was roughly about 450 miles northwest to this place called Antioch. And Antioch is a really important city in the Roman Empire. It sits right on the heart of the spice and the silk trade. So there was loads of travelers going back and forwards through it. Antioch itself was a big city. It was split into quadrants uh, and there was different people living in each quadrant. There was a bunch of Athenians, there was a bunch of Macedonians, and there was a bunch of Jewish people as well who were living there, as well as the many frequent travelers who came in at any given time. It was kind of known as like the jewel of the Roman Empire. It was very decadent, uh, very posh, lots of people would come there um, and so it's a really important city and so I don't think that the, the, the Holy Spirit breaking out in Antioch is a, is a surprise I think it's a key location for the spreading of the good news out from that place but I think what is surprising is it, it's not a famous apostle or a disciple who takes it there. It's just a group of guys scared for their lives on the run. But even though they're scared, they still have to share the good news. It's compulsive within them. They have to do it. It says it in the words, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Serene went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and came to faith. They've heard the story of Jesus. They've heard how he died and was resurrected back to life. They've heard how grace was poured upon the world in that moment. They've heard how freedom was given to the world in that moment. They've heard how their whole lives have been changed and they've experienced it firsthand. They've been filled with the Holy Spirit themselves and so they cannot help but share the good news. Just a random bunch of guys on the run suddenly seeing revival break out in a town where they're not familiar. I love that. Um, when I studied in Glasgow, I studied sport and physical activity as my degree. And as part of my degree, I had to gain coaching qualifications in a couple of different sports. And so my chosen sport was football. So I was sitting my level two SFA coaching badges. Uh, and as part of that, I had to do a certain number of hours coaching in community football. Um, and so you say what you want to do, and then the SFA send you off to one of their partner clubs to go and do some coaching. And so I got sent to this club in Maryhill in Glasgow. Uh, and it, it was just, it was one of the most fun and terrifying experiences of my life all in one. The parents in Maryhill took their under 10s football really seriously. I had to send parents off from the sideline quite frequently for swearing at children uh, and, and just going absolutely mental. At one point I had to break up a fight between two parents who were arguing over something on the sideline. Both of them got sent back to their cars. Um, but they took their football really seriously and I was coaching this under 10s team uh, and it was, I mean under 10s football is not the highest standard of football. It's a bit like um, if you were to fling some sweet 
seats in the middle of the room and all the children would descend on them. The same thing happens under 10s football. You sort of kick a ball, nobody stays in position, they just jump on the ball, wherever it is. Um, but in particular, um, bless him, our goalkeeper was not uh, very gifted in the art of goalkeeping. Um, often I would find him digging up worms in the goal mouth as the ball flew past him into the net. He just wasn't that interested at all. He was a little bit like this guy. Oh, where's the goalkeeper going, mate? Get fucking goal! I love that. Basically, that was the story of my coaching of under tennis football. Parents who took it too seriously and kids who weren't that interested. But this wee boy, he just he just didn't get it. Um, and one week as we were going to a match, I could hear a committee of parents walking behind me up to the football pitch talking about how this boy shouldn't be playing. He was ruining it for the rest of the team. We'd never win with him in goals. And I was like, guys, come on, this is under tens football. So I made it my mission from that point onwards. I was like, I'm going to make him a good keeper. And so I spent some one-on-one -on -one time with him. And actually across the season he developed the more he played the more he trained the more he took on board he got better and better and he actually saved a penalty in a cup game later on in the season which kept us in the match it was unbelievable the point is this as followers of Jesus we're not expected to be elite level footballers where a few people do the job and thousands of people watch on we're supposed to be under 10 footballers not particularly gifted, not particularly special in any way, shape or form, but just giving it a go, being willing to say, I'm gonna go and do this. I'm gonna do what you're asking me to do. Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 gave the Great Commission his final words before he headed off to be back with the Father. And he said this, um, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now he said that to his 11 disciples. I'm pretty sure he didn't expect the 11 disciples to make disciples of all nations in the world. It would have been an impossible task. And so other people have to play their part. And this group that we see today up in Antioch, this group of men on the run are like the outworking of Jesus' words. There are people who are just normal guys. They saw Stephen getting killed. They stuck to their faith and they fled for their lives. But now they're sharing the good news in a different nation. They are literally doing it. They are making disciples of the people of Antioch up in Syria, 450 miles away from where the story began. Just doing what they've been asked to do. For some of us, we are watching church today. For all of us, we are watching church today because somebody at some point took the story where it needed to go. Somebody played their part in bringing the good news to Scotland. Somebody played, played their part in bringing it to Aberdeen or to Fort William or to Inverness or to Denmark, wherever you're watching from this morning, somebody played their part in bringing the good news of Jesus to where you are. But the story is not over yet. There are millions of people in this world who do not know Jesus, neighbours, colleagues, family members who've never had a chance to meet him. And we can sometimes feel like, oh, we're waiting on this special person to turn up and, and tell them all about it. But can I just dispel that myth a little this morning? I feel like God would ask the question, maybe it's you. Maybe it's us. Who are our people? Where is our Antioch? What's holding us from bringing back the good news in this crazy time? Can I encourage us this week to bring the good news wherever we go? Be generous. Offer to pray for people. Um, when somebody asks you what you were up to this weekend, don't say, oh yeah, it was lovely. I went to the park. We say, church was awesome this weekend. Let me just tell you about what I heard. We 
are Jesus' plan for the world hearing about him. Maybe Jesus isn't looking for elite Lionel Messi footballers. Maybe he's just looking for a bunch of terrible goalkeepers who are willing to give it a go. So the gospel can come from anyone. The good news can come from anyone. The second thing, the second truth that I notice in this passage is that the good news is for everyone. The good news is for everyone. We heard last week um, Emma sharing about Cornelius and how he took um, the, the good news to um, Caesarea and then unbeknown to him 450 miles away in a totally different part of the world um, I've really confused the tech team there a notification's gone off on my phone guys it's nothing to do with you <laughs> let me silence it they're all looking around like something's going wrong <laughs> um, and so 450 miles away, there's this other story happening. The Holy Spirit is breaking out. Peter's had this vision where suddenly the good news isn't just for a few people, but he's realising that this has opened up to the world now. It's not just for the Jewish um, people, but it's opened up to the world. And without him even telling that or saying that to anyone, the Holy Spirit is enabling that to happen 450 miles away in a totally different country in a place called Antioch, confirming that kind of opening up to the world. I love that. These people who weren't part of the story before suddenly find themselves invited into the story by this random group of guys who've headed off to Antioch. How cool is that? Something that was unavailable, a relationship with the Father, has suddenly become completely available because of what Jesus did. Available for everyone. Uh, give us a shout out in the comments if you went to a secondary school. I'm being slightly facetious there. I'm imagining 99% of us all went to secondary school. But did you know if you were born in 1940, that would not have been the case. Pre-1940, secondary education was not available for everyone in Britain. Uh, it was something that you had to pay for. And instantly, that eliminated a whole bunch of people from being able to take part in secondary education. It meant that kind of child labour and a bunch of stuff like that had the chance to flourish because people didn't have the same opportunities if they didn't have the money to do it. Um, and then along came a man called Robert Butler. He was an MP and he came up with a thing called the Education Act and it came, th came into fruition in 1944. And basically what he did is he made secondary education available for every child in the UK. That's what the act was. And so where before a whole bunch of people left school at 11 and went away, he made it so that anyone could go from 11 to 16 and still take part in an education. That meant uh, lots of money being pumped in so that children could get a place funded. It meant that lots of schools had to be built in poorer areas where they just never had one because there was never the opportunity to go to a secondary school. It was a huge shift in the way that education worked in the UK. Massive. We are here today having had secondary educations thankful for that bill, thankful that somebody made the time and, and had a team of people who worked on that so hard. Something that was quite a limited thing for the elite and the rich suddenly, because of this act, became available for every person who wanted to take part in it. Jesus has done a similar thing. As he died on the cross, he opened up relationship with the Father for everyone every single person in the world. There's no limits on it. If you look through the Bible, you will never find a clause from Jesus that says, everyone but that guy, or everyone but that lady over here, because just oh, it's just not quite right. It's everyone, always, everyone. 
as I was reading through the commentaries this week, w- what we discover in Antioch is that they're sharing it with the Greeks for the first time and Greek Gentiles are coming to faith. Greek people who didn't know Jesus are coming to know Jesus. But do you know the thing I loved about it? The commentator that I was reading said that the kind of Greek that they talk about, the kind of Greek that's used in this passage, it isn't educated Greek. It's what they would call marketplace Greek. It's like the, the apples and pears, Cockney rhyming slang Greek that would have been used um, right in the, the hearts of the poorer districts of Antioch. Jesus is just so clearly making his good news available for everyone. And and the, the guys in Jerusalem, the, the apostles in Jerusalem, they, they hear, they get this wee noise of a story like Greek Gentiles are coming to faith in Antioch. And so they send Barnabas to go and have a look at it. And the phrase that Barnabas sees when he's there is like he can see that the grace of God is upon them. The grace of God is upon them. It's like a a stamp of approval. It's like a, this is the plan. This good news is available for everyone and anyone. Nobody is left out. I love that. Every language, every background, every person is welcomed and encouraged to hear the good news. So again, if the gospel can come from anyone and it's for everyone, what on earth does that mean for us today? Well, I think those two truths, from anyone, for everyone, allow us to just dismantle some of the challenges and and maybe, if I'm being honest, some of the excuses that we carry when it comes to sharing the good news. It allows us to just pick it apart a little bit. I think we can overcomplicate these moments thinking like, I'm just waiting from a really clear word from the Lord before I go and speak to that person or I'm just waiting for the kind of lights in the sky moment and a big arrow pointing at them and then I'll know that I have to go and pray for that person. Guys, I think in the words of the Bible, it's really clear. We don't need to wait any longer. There's a mission already given to us. Make disciples of the nations. The two truths that go with it, the gospel is the good news. It's from anyone for everyone. That's me. That's you. That's everyone in this room. That's anyone at all. We have a part to play. That excites me, guys. That really excites me. Taking away some of those barriers and blockades that we may put up just to kind of keep ourselves in our comfort zone. Let's just smash through them this morning. It's us. We are the bringers of the good news. And who are we bringing it to? Anyone. Go out your front door just now. Look out your window. Who's going past? It's them. They are the people we're bringing the good news to. And so who can you bring it to this week? What work colleague would just be incredibly blessed by you offering to pray for them? When your postman comes to the door, how much would he be encouraged by you saying, mate, I'm so thankful for what you've done. Jesus has taught me to be an encourager and I just want to encourage you. You're the best postman I've ever seen. You know, if we just took intentional moments to encourage the life out of people and just to see like the good news come, what would happen? Imagine there were hundreds of stories in the next few weeks of people in our church and people who've joined in from all over the world who just thought, you know what, stuff it. I'm going to go and tell somebody about the good news. What might happen? I would love to pray for some people right here. And then if you feel that your, your heart is getting just a little bit stirred and fired up by that, if you're like, oh my goodness, it is actually me. And I do want to play my part in this. I would love to pray for you right now. Why don't you just stretch your hands out? Jesus, I pray that you would release um, 
a, a heap of people this morning into a fresh sense of them having the responsibility of bringing the good news. I pray that there will be work colleagues and family members and um, friends and people we encounter in the street and bus drivers and postmen and people who've come to fix a toilet this week who didn't realise that it was going to be a life-changing moment for them because somebody shared the good news. Would you fill each of us afresh with your Holy Spirit right now, Lord? Would you give us fire in our bellies to see your good news come? Come, Holy Spirit. So, if we know the good news is from anyone and we know it's for everyone, how do we go about doing that? How do we go about getting the most out of it? Well, fortunately, in this passage, we get to encounter this guy called Barnabas who gives us this really sweet snapshot of, like, how, how do we actually do that then? Like, if we want to do it and we're excited about it, how do we go and do it? And it says this in verse 22. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. There seem to be these three key things about Barnabas that Luke, the author of this passage, wants us to see. And, and, and almost like the important things that he brings to the picture. Number one is this. He was an encourager. He encouraged them. Did you know that Barnabas' real name isn't actually Barnabas? In chapter 4 of Acts, we hear about him for the first time. It says this. So Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas... Brackets, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Such an encourager was this man that they couldn't even call him his real name. They had to change his name to the son of encouragement. He was an encourager. And so when the fledgling church is breaking out in Antioch and they know that they want to support it and love it and help it to grow, who do they send? They send the son of encouragement. It's almost like it's pouring out of him. Just can't contain his encouragement. Give us a wee shout out, a wee mention in the comments if you've ever been so encouraged by somebody. Maybe somebody told you that you could do something that you never believed you could do. Maybe somebody said that you had it when you really didn't think that you had it. Hopefully all of us will have experienced encouragement at some point in our lives. I'm not sure if you know this or not, but we at Aberdeen North, which is my site, officially have the most encouraging person in the world. It's Guinness World Records verified. Uh, we've got the plaque on the wall, but we have a man named David at our site who is the most encouraging person I think you will ever encounter in your life. And I love to watch David on a Sunday morning because David just goes from person to person to person encouraging the life out of them and, I, and I'll watch it happen as he goes up to people who are maybe looking a bit down that week or not quite themselves a couple of minutes later I see them walking away with big smiles on their faces because David just brings encouragement wherever he goes it's like his gift he's just got something within him that brings encouragement and it changes people's directions when it happens the power of encouragement has lifted many people to places where they never thought they could go and so I think part one of the how do you squeeze the most out of the good news is that you bring encouragement wherever we go. We bring encouragement. We want to be known as a people who are just full of encouragement, who bring life and hope to the different situations we're in. Let's be encouragers. Let's do it intentionally. Let's set ourselves a wee target. Of like, I'm going to encourage three people today. Be encouragers. 
The second thing is this, and the third thing I'm going to tie in together. He's full of the Holy Spirit and faith. Full of the Holy Spirit and faith. <clears throat> Barnabas was there. Barnabas was there when, when, the, when the whole thing was kicking off at the beginning of Acts and, and the Holy Spirit was breaking out for the first time. He would have seen it in action. He would have felt it himself. He himself was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he got to watch as these incredible things happened, as people were speaking in tongues of all the different nations, uh, as people were being healed. Um, he got to watch Stephen have bravery beyond any earthly bravery to, to stay true to his faith, even in the face of death. He's watched what the Holy Spirit does. And so he comes to Antioch filled with the Holy Spirit, but also full of faith because he's taken little steps and each little step he's seen God deliver. He sold his field. That would have been his main source of income. Sold it. And God still got him. He signed up for a faith that in that moment was life-threatening for him. God still had him. And so each step he takes, he's building his faith tank. And so when he comes to Antioch, he's full of the Holy Spirit. And he's also full of faith. Just before Sarah and I got married, uh, when I went on my stag do, we did this thing called canyoning, um, where you basically, you go away up a hill and then you make your way down a, a sort of river's canyon in various different forms. You swim a bit and then you jump off a waterfall and then you climb a bit and you come down a wee bit more and you do lots of things. And, and we got to near the end of the track that we were coming down and there was this big, uh, almost like bowl-shaped cliff that went around the river and, and there was little steps carved out of it. And so you could go up a few steps and then jump, and then go out a few other steps and jump. And so it maybe started about maybe four or five metres, and then you went up a bit more, and it was like maybe seven or eight metres, and then you went a bit more. Anyway, by the time you got to the top of the cliff, it was about 15 metres up, really high. The kind of height where you look over the edge, and, and, your, and your knees start to wobble, and you start questioning your decisions about how you got there. Um, and we, we were standing at the top, and, and the instructor was like, just do it, just jump. And I knew if I hung out there for any length of time, I would have talked myself out of it. And so I did it, I just ran off the edge, jumped. And I don't know if you ever jumped from that kind of height before, but you have time to think about what's going on before your feet hit the water. It's not like you jump and you hit the water. There's a good three or four seconds where you're like, why have I not hit the water yet? Where is the water? Why is the water not come? Anyway, we got down there and then we did it a few more times. Can I tell you the second and third time, were infinitely more easy than the first time I jumped. Really? It took the first time to jump for me to build faith and confidence in what I was doing to, so that the second and third time it was easy. It was, like, it was like not even something to think about. I think with Barnabas, we see him a, a similar story. He's taken a few steps. He's jumped a few times. And so when he goes to Antioch, he's not new to the game. He's seen God move. He's seen God do incredible things. And so he turns up in Antioch and he's like, God, if I preach the good news here, I know you're going to deliver. Full of faith, full of faith. He's regularly putting himself in situations where his faith has to grow and grow it does. So then the question for us today has to be, what are we doing to fill our tanks? How are we getting filled with the Holy Spirit and how are we filling ourselves with faith? Are we putting ourselves in positions regularly where the Holy Spirit has to do something or are we just operating within our comfort zone and our own strength? Are we stepping out in a way that makes our palms a little bit sweaty and, and causes us to be a little bit nervous knowing that, God, if you don't do something here, I'm going to look silly or I'm going to be in a wee bit of danger or it's going to be a risk for me. It's those moments, those moments where faith is required 
that God really can step in and do something. And so where can we make those this week? Who can we talk to that in our heads we know they're never going to receive this? What, what generosity can we bring that would actually cost us to give it? Where could we go this week that would feel like, oh God, if you're not here, this is going to be a really tricky situation. It's in those risk moments that faith really comes alive. We fill our tanks, we fill our tanks afresh. So the combination of faith and filled with the Holy Spirit is a powerful one. We see it, what's, what's the evidence? What's the evidence in Antioch as the first group go and then as Barnabas goes? Many people come to know Jesus, full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, speaking the good news. Many people come to know Jesus. Let's do it this week, hey? Let's put ourselves in faith-required situations. Let's get filled with the Holy Spirit afresh and let's take the good news to the world. Let me pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we, we, just, we welcome you afresh into each screen that's watching this morning Lord I pray for every person who's holding an iPad or watching a telly or sitting on a bus with a phone whatever they're doing in this moment Lord would you fill each of us afresh with your Holy Spirit a fresh filling of your Holy Spirit would you give us opportunities to fill our tanks with faith to see you move would you just ground those truths for us that the good news is from anyone and for everyone Come, Holy Spirit, would you fill us afresh? Fill us afresh, Lord. Just before we head into worship, I just felt like the Lord was speaking to me there. I feel like there's somebody watching this morning called Craig. Um, and you've just been questioning this whole Christianity thing for a while. And I just sensed the Lord was calling you into the adventure this morning. It's like even where you're watching right now, and even as I've said your name, you're like, oh goodness, that's me. And I just want to say, Craig, the Lord wants you in his adventure. The Lord is calling you into his adventure today. Would you pick up your bag and get running with it? <laughs>